Hey guys, this is the Mosaic Podcast and I want to welcome you. But I want to let you know that MSC just released a new album called Heaven. Seven brand new songs that express the heart of our community, our heart of worship, and are going to absolutely inspire you and make an impact on your life. Mosaic MSC, Heaven. If you're like me, you travel a lot. I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm a million mile flyer on United, and I have status on Virgin and Delta and American. I, I just keep adding up all those miles over all these years. And, and after 9-11, it was so difficult to get through security. Sometimes it would just take an hour just to make it a few feet. So eventually, they started making it easier. They, they allowed us to apply for global entry and for TSA pre-approved. And then there's something else called clear. And so I just applied for everything. I, 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 I've taken on every possible possibility of how to get through faster. And, and, and you would think that the people who are TSA pre-approved and global entried and, and cleared, that those people would be seasoned flyers. But you ever gotten behind that person that seems like they've never flown before? I mean, I, just recently, Kim and I were flying, and, and there was this guy in front of us. He was in the same line, the, the fast line. The fast track, and, and there's usually just two machines that you have a choice to go through. The one where you walk through this open door, and it just, eh, it says no. And there's this other one that's a little more humiliating that makes you stand in a very vulnerable position, and, and it takes a photograph of you, and I'm like, okay, okay what can you see? What can't you see? Because I've been eating a lot of pizzas lately and I'm feeling very, very vulnerable right now. I don't know if I'm comfortable with this one. And, and the guy went through the one that, that, inks, that makes a sound when you go through. And, and, and so he put his stuff down and, and you can always tell when the person's like pulling out their laptop and pulling out something else and pulling out something else. And like, really, you didn't know. You didn't know what was going to happen when you got here. And this guy goes through the machine and it goes off. And he looks kind of confused, and, and the guy says, I'm sorry, sir, do you have anything in your pocket? And so he has these keys. I mean, keys, I think he was a professional, like, maintenance man, because he had, like, 50 keys. How could you forget you have those keys? And he takes those keys, and he puts them in the tray, and they go through, and, and then he tries to go through again. He goes, eh, stops him again, and he looks a little disoriented. And it's like, I think this, like, Texas-sized belt. Why would you wear that? through security. So he takes off this belt and he has to like roll it up and put it in the next tray. And, and he moves slow, by the way. And then he goes through again and it goes off again. And he's so confused. He goes, sorry, sir, do you have anything else? And, and he has his cell phone in his pocket. So he puts his cell phone down and it goes through. And this happened about four times. And I, and I was running behind and I needed to get through. And I've done everything that a man should have to do to get through that security line faster than this. And I just wanted to grab the guy and say, is this your first time going through the security? Do you not know there's some things that just don't travel? Some things you have to leave behind if you want to get to the other side. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I want to talk to you about the new. Because there's a new waiting for you. But you cannot get from the old to the new if you don't understand what doesn't travel. You see, I think a lot of us are confusing tomorrow with the new. But you may actually slip in tomorrow with the same old 
that you had today? And wouldn't it be a tragedy to live every single tomorrow that you're going to get in this life and actually never step into the new? You might actually be taking the old into tomorrow when tomorrow is actually supposed to be new. Some of you will never step into your future because you keep living in your past. But tonight, we're going to bring an end to that. Tonight, we're going to take off everything, put everything aside that keeps us from getting through to the other side. Tonight, we're going to move from the old to the new, from the past to the future. Are you ready to go there with me? So I had two friends on the same day send me texts from different parts of the world. And they both sent me the exact same verse. And they sent me the exact same verse that was the first verse I ever spoke about when I first came to L.A., and then suddenly, in the middle of the week, Mariah sends me the exact same verse. So I think God's trying to say something to me, to say something to you. In Isaiah 43, beginning in verse 16, God says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the armies and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out, like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Here God is actually speaking to his people, letting them know there is the new waiting for you. But you seem to be trapped in the old and you've stopped believing in the new. Years ago, I got myself in trouble because I, I disagreed with Solomon, and Solomon's in the Bible. So people get upset because they thought I was fighting with the Bible. But I wasn't fighting with the Bible. I was fighting with Solomon, who's in the Bible. Because Solomon says something in the Bible that the Bible does not agree with. Is that a shocker? See, Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. And I said, Solomon was wrong. And people said, wait a minute, when you say Solomon's wrong, are you saying the Bible's wrong? No, I'm saying there's a lot of wrong people in the Bible. By the way, a lot of wrong people say a lot of wrong things. I'm telling you, Judas was wrong. He's in the Bible. Pilate was wrong. He's in the Bible. Jezebel, don't listen to her. Cain, do not follow his example. There are all kinds of people in the Bible doing the wrong thing and saying the wrong thing. Why is it that sometimes we actually accept the wrong view of reality just because the person said it in the Bible? When it's so clear that they're disagreeing with God. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. And I'm telling you, I've traveled the world and everywhere Christians quote that. They love it. There's nothing new under the sun. Whenever I would come up with a new idea, they go, Erwin, Erwin, Erwin. There's nothing new under the sun. Whenever I want to change things, they say, Erwin, why change things? There's nothing new under the sun. I want you to know when Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, he was having a really bad day. He said, everything's meaningless. Do not build your view of reality on someone who says everything is meaningless. Don't build your future on a cynic, on someone who's given up on the future, on someone who tells you, what's the point? Why should you fight it? Why should you struggle? Why, why should you dream? Why should you work? Because there's nothing new under the sun. 
See, and if your soul is allowed to embrace this, this lie, that there's nothing new under the sun, you're going to surrender to the old. So Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun, but here God says, see, I am doing a new thing. So are you going to agree with Solomon or are you going to agree with God? Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. And by the way, if you choose his view of reality, there will be nothing new under the sun for you. So I'm not going to agree with Solomon. I'm going to choose God's perspective on reality. God says, see, I'm doing a new thing under the sun. And by the way, whenever God's involved, something new happens all the time. Whenever God gets into it, new things come out of it. In fact, God's all about new. The, the, the scripture tells that God's mercies are new every morning. Isn't that good to know? No matter how much you mess up today, new mercies for tomorrow. God says, I, I'm going to give you a new covenant, better than the old one. And in that new covenant, guess what? I'm going to give you a new heart. And I'm going to put a new spirit in you. And I'm going to give you a new mind. And in fact, pull out your instruments because I'm going to give you a new song. God's all about the new. In fact, he says, I'm... I'm going to make you new creations. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. I'm going to make you a new creation. And then he says, and because you're new, I need to give you a new environment. So I'm going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Now, I can understand the need for a new earth because we're sort of messing this one up. But why does God need to create a new heaven? What's wrong with heaven? Heaven seems to me like it's in perfect condition. So that tells me that God doesn't make new things because the old thing needs to be new. God just loves making new things. He likes making things that are awesome even better than they were. It's even God's way to take what you think is good enough and God said, no, that was good enough for yesterday, but that's in the past. It's time to do something new. So he says to his people, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the armies and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguish stuff that like a wick. What's God talking about? God is actually talking about when Israel was in bondage to Egypt. Now, Egypt has been gone for generations. And in fact, now the Israelites are in bondage to the Babylonians. But God is saying, remember when I did this? Egypt's gone. In fact, I, I want to clarify the reality because I want you to remember it correctly. He who made a way through the sea, that was me, God saying. I made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty water. said, do you remember when you were slaves to Egypt and you cried out to me and I heard you? Do you remember when you said you needed me to come and deliver you and I sent Moses? Do you remember how I sent Moses to face Pharaoh and Pharaoh did not want to set you free, so I sent 10 plagues. In fact, I had you put blood on your doorposts and created the Passover so that every year you would remember how I set you free and gave you life. I want you to remember what I did. Do you remember how I took you to the brink of the ocean and then Pharaoh got mad and he started chasing you down? He grabbed his horses and he chariots and he decided he was going to destroy you and you were terrified. And I told Moses to stand in front of the water, raise the staff. The waters parted. You went through. And when Egypt came, 15, 16 years old, he looked much older than that, he was tall and strong and mature. And, and back then, so many young men lied about their ages. And so he was around 16 years old and was in the Navy. Can you imagine being 16 years old and experiencing Normandy? 
to be 16 years old and experiencing Omaha Beach? Can you imagine being 16 years old and being in the middle of the most violent expression of humanity's hatred and vitriol toward each other? And he survived it, or at least he lived through it. She said, my, my father couldn't forget. He couldn't escape it. He couldn't leave it behind. And so he kept painting over and over again the memories that haunted him. And in fact, she said, this carried out throughout his life. And, and, and in the middle of the night, he would hear the bombs dropping. In the middle of the night, he would grab my mom and throw her out of the bed and jump on top of her, try to protect her from the shrapnel, the explosions that were about to happen. And no matter how much help he tried to get, and no matter how much his wife and daughter loved him, he couldn't escape the memories that haunted him. So one day, he, he took a gun to his head and ended his life. And I'll never forget how, how poignant it was in that moment when I realized that sometimes our most dangerous enemy are the memories that haunt us, that we cannot find freedom from. There's some of you here, you're haunted. And no one else knows, no one else knows what haunts you. No one understands the depth of your fear or your pain, your betrayal, your hurt. No one else understands what you're fighting, but I want you to know that you don't have to live in your past. You don't have to be trapped in your past, that you can step into the new. But the choice is yours, and you have to make it. Hey, have you ever thought about whether you will ever be remembered by anyone? I think one of the great fears we have is that um, no one will remember us. But it's worse than that, I want to tell you. You won't even remember yourself. You don't even know that, but you don't even remember yourself right now. I can tell you, I'm 60. I hardly remember me. I, I, I have such small memories. In fact, most of my life, I don't remember. How about you? What I realized is I remember the same things over and over and over again. And you either remember the things that cost you great pain or cost you great joy, but I want you to realize you're actually the sum total of the memories you choose to carry with you. Wouldn't it be better to carry the memories of who God created you to be? The memories of the life God created you to live rather than to be haunted and God said, stop fighting ancient battles. You see, if you're fighting your past, you don't have energy to create your future. And there's some of you, there are new battles to fight right now. And you're losing them because you keep facing backwards rather than forward. There's some of you, there are new challenges that God has for you right now. But you're losing those because you're still fighting those ancient enemies that have long been gone. And you need to step into this moment where you say, God, I'm going to leave the past in the past. I'm not going to step into tomorrow and carry yesterday with me. God, I want tomorrow to be a product of the new. Then he goes on to say, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. See, not only do we need to stop fighting ancient battles if we're going to step into the new, but we need to stop living in past glories. It's interesting to me that, that God says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the, on the past. Because if you read the scriptures carefully, God tells his people to remember a lot. God says, remember, remember, remember. Remember. In fact, one of the things God tells them to remember is specifically this moment. 
God tells them, never forget when you were slaves in Egypt. Never forget. Remember. God says, never forget when you cried out to me. Remember. Never forget when I sent Moses to deliver you. Remember this. Never forget when I sent the 10 plagues. Remember this. In fact, make it a part of your calendar, this Passover, so you always remember how I delivered you. Remember how I took you to the brink of the ocean, parted the water, sent you through, consumed Egypt. Remember this. So they were a people of memory. Now, this is what God said to them. Remember, 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 forget it. Which one? Yes. See, God wants you to remember your past, but he does not want you to live in your past. God wants you to remember so you can build a future. But the great danger, sometimes those memories are so tantalizing. They're like sirens that call us back to the good old days. And if you are living and longing for the good old days, then you have no good days ahead. You ever been around someone who always talks about when they were in high school? <laughs> a lot of athletes are like that. <laughs> I was such a great athlete in high school. Or some people, they, all talk, they talk about college. You have a friend that, that will say to you, did I ever tell you when? And you're like, yeah, yeah, you have. You know. <laughs> like so many times, so many times, so painfully. And... And they have every intimate detail because they've told that story over and over and over again. It's because they're living in their past glories. By the way, the older you get, the better you used to be. That's the really nice thing about distance. I used to be taller. A better athlete, used to be smarter. It's, it's, it's a tragedy. If you could just see me through my memories. You see, there's a difference between history and memories. And there's some of you, you've had some great moments in your life already. You, you've had great memories already. You've had moments of incredible success. You've had moments where you've accomplished something that was so important to you. And if you're not careful, you're going to live on the momentum of that past glory and miss all the future glories in your life. You're going to live in that past success and miss the future successes. There's some of you who have been actually incredibly successful. And we want to hear your stories because they're awesome, epic stories. But tell the story, but don't live in that story. Let that moment give you the momentum for the next moment. God says, put away. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. He told Israel, you keep living in an ancient time when I showed up in your life. And the reason you keep living in that moment is you do not believe I will step into this moment of your life. And God is saying the same way I showed up when you were under the bondage of Egypt. I will show up now that you're under bondage to Babylon. The names change, but God says, but I'm still the same. I will show up for you now if you will trust me. So what are you celebrating now? And some of you have set a high bar. Some of you have a high bar because you've had some incredible things happen in your life. But whatever has happened in your past, even the peak moments, I hope you'll stop seeing them as the pinnacle of your life. 
and begin to see them as the new baseline of your life. If a God could work like that in your life in the past, what in the world does God want to do with your future? <laughs> when, when, when I barely graduated from high school, solid D student, prepared for life, my brother went off to play football on scholarship and was a quarterback and broke all the conference passing records and was recruited by all these universities, you know, typical day for a high school athlete. And I didn't do anything. I didn't go anywhere. And so I just, just kept working minimum wage jobs, flipped pizzas, worked as a construction guy, worked as a carpenter, worked as a lumberjack, flipped burgers, just job to job to job because I had no purpose in my life. No direction in my life, no meaning in my life. And I remember one day I just thought, I've been working for like five, six years nonstop, and I'm just going to quit. I saved all kinds of money. I'd already paid off my car. I'd learned how to survive. I was living in an apartment with my family, and, or a house with my family at the time. And, and, and so I just quit, and then I didn't get a job the next week or the next week or the next week. I just sort of slept every day because I was depressed, didn't get up early. And my mom, she just looked at me and thought, you got to do something. And she said, you need to get a, get a job. I said, I had a job. She said, you need to get a job. I said, I don't need a job. I've got money. I'm going to take a little time. <laughs> find myself. And she goes, you, you can find yourself while you have a job. And, 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 and I didn't. And, and she was right. And then she said, if you don't have a job by Monday, you can't stay here. So I slept in my car, and it was cold. It was a North Carolina winter, and it was cold. And, and uh, I thought, you know, I don't think I want to sleep in my car. So I needed to go get a job. So I, I went down, and I, I looked at the full measure of my talent and gifting and my skills. And so I got a job over at Carl's Jr. And, and, uh, and they taught me how to flip burgers. And that first day that I had to go to work, I got in my car and I took off early. And it was different than the other days that I slept in past 10 and just hung out and did nothing. And by the time I got to my job, there was a phone call. And my family was looking for me because there was an electrical fire and our house exploded. And they didn't know if I was still inside. And if I had slept in one more day, I would have been consumed in that fire. And I remember going back home and the shell of the house was still there, but the inside was just absolutely burnt to pieces. And one day my mom was working through the stuff. You could just smell the stench of fire and smoke on everything. We had to throw everything away. But we had this mantle with all of our trophies. Anybody have one of those? Well, your mom keeps all your trophies and shows them to everyone. And we had a mantle full of my brother's trophies and a mantle full of my trophies. Kind of cool. And in the middle of that fire, they all melted. I mean, they just melted. And, 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 you know, my brother had a lot of trophies like MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Conference Quarterback of the Year, even track, like gold medal, silver medal, gold medal. And then I had all my participation trophies. And, uh, 
you know, the Irwin was on the team too. Irwin was on the team too. Irwin was on the team too. And you know, all his medals were actually made of metal. Mine were plastic. But they mattered to me because I participated. And, and we were throwing things away. And my mom had a box of things she was going to save and a box of things she was going to try to fix, a box of things we were throwing away. And, and she put all those metals that had just melted together. And she put them in a box to be repaired. And my brother and I said, what are you doing? And she said, I I'm going to fix these. And I could just feel her sorrow. All her memories from her children were gone. They were all destroyed, melted, burned up. She goes, I I'm, I'm going to fix these. I'm going to fix these. Now, there's no way in the world, there's no one with the gifting that could fix those trophies. And, and, and when she was saying, I'm going to fix them, I'm going to fix them, I, I was thinking to myself, That'd be so great if you could fix my participation trophies. It'd be like, it'd be, like, how will they ever know I was on the team? And, uh, and, and my brother, whose trophies all actually mattered, looked at her and said, just throw them away. She goes, no, I'm not going to throw them away. He goes, just throw them away. If those are the pinnacle of my life, my life will not be worth remembering. When he said that, I realized there was a different perspective on that moment. He, he did not want even his past achievements to be the pinnacle of his life. I didn't think I would have a pinnacle in my life. I pretty much figured I was going to be a particip participation trophy human the rest of my life. No achievements, no highlights, nothing extraordinary, but at least he was there. I showed up. See, some of you, you're living your life for participation trophies. You're living your life believing there'll never be epic moments. There'll never be highlights in your life. You're living your life as if there will be no great victories, no great successes, no great glory ahead of you. He says, put away the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now, I want you to know God is doing a new thing. So if you're not doing a new thing, you're not doing what God is doing. And if you want to be doing what God is doing, you need to step into the new thing that God is doing. And some of you, you keep wanting God to do something new in your life while not changing anything in your life. And I want you to know it's time to step into the new. I don't care how awesome your past is. Your future is going to be better than your past. So what are you celebrating now? What is God doing in your life right now that is proof of God's presence in your life? I always thought it was odd. People would ask the spiritual question. They'd go, when did you give your life to Jesus? And, and that would be the way people would, would discern or determine whether you were authentically a follower of Jesus or not. If you could remember when you gave your life to Jesus. See, I don't care when you gave your life to Jesus. I don't even care if you can remember when you gave your life to Jesus. I want to know if you're giving your life to Jesus right now. Because if you're holding on, I remember when I was eight and I gave my life to Jesus, but you haven't been giving your life to Jesus since. You need to revisit that because that's a participation trophy. And God wants you to step up and step into the future he has for you. See, I am doing a new thing. 
And then he says, now it springs up. Here's the terrifying question he asks. Do you not perceive that? See, God is saying, I'm, I'm doing the new. And I'm doing the new all around you. But you may not even see the new because you're so focused on the old. If you're going to step into the new, you got to stop fighting your past. Stop letting your past haunt you. Just put light on the shadows and move on. One of my friends came to know Jesus and his life is a wreck. And he was a celebrity and, and the media was saying, he's only saying he's given his life to Jesus because his life is a mess. And so he's using that as a way of escaping his mess. He says, what do I tell the media? I said, tell them, bring them in close and tell them, you think I gave my life to Jesus because my life is a mess? You don't even know how much a mess my life actually is. My life is more a mess than you know. And so if I gave my life to Jesus for the little mess you know, I really need Jesus because the mess is bigger than you know. And by the way, if you're here judging me because my life is a mess, are you saying your life is not a mess? Because when I've been looking carefully, I think we're all pretty messed up. So put light on it. Just move on and stop living in the glories and the victories and the success of the past and say, God, whatever you've done in the past, I'm ready for what you have for my future. Then God says, it springs up right now. Will you not even see it? Will you not be aware of it? He's saying, you need to stop looking for your future in the past. But start looking for your future in the new. It springs up now. I want you to know God is doing something. See, I may not know you or the specifics of your life, but I do know this. God is doing something new in your life. He's doing something new all around you, and he's trying to get your attention so you can see the new. But you may not even see it. Because if you're here and you're bitter and you're angry and you're cynical, if you're here and you're full of anger, if you're here and you're like, I I just, there's just no way. That God could be real. If you're angry at the world and angry at people and you're filled with vitriol, all you're going to see is that. When you bring bitterness, all you see is bitterness. When you bring despair, all you see is despair. When you bring anger, all you see is anger. When you bring betrayal, all you see is betrayal. And God's trying to give you new eyes so you can see the new future he has for you. It springs up right now. Do you not perceive it? And he says, I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Now, why does he say that? It's because the first time God showed up for them in a big way, he took the water and he dried it up. But this time they're in the desert and he's going to bring water out of the desert. See, they kept waiting for God to do the same thing the same way. Isn't that strange how we think God is so predictable? That's how we end up creating religions. This is the way God did it. In fact, we read the Bible and we go, that's the way God's supposed to do it. That's how we get really weird. (laughs) It is. We read the book of Acts and we go, look what God did. He should do that now. Let's fake it. Because we don't believe that God's creative enough to do it a new way. And God says, I parted the water because that's what you needed. And I'm going to bring streams out of the wasteland because that's what you need now. So you need to pay attention because I'm not predictable. I'm God. Actually, I love that. You cannot predict God. He's not going to do it the same way. He's not going to do it in your life the way he does it in her life or his life. 
God moves uniquely in every single person's life because everyone's in a different place and different time going through a different story. Aren't you glad God doesn't just replicate the same response for every single human being? God is going to uniquely craft your future for you. <laughs> but here's the dilemma is that we want the new. I mean, who doesn't want like a new future? Who doesn't want a new life? Who doesn't want a new dream? Who doesn't want a new chance? But the problem is we want everything to be new except for you. We want everything to be new except for us. Like, God, give me a new life. He's like, I'll do it. I'm telling you, he will give you a new life. God, give me a new dream. I'm telling you, he will do it. God, I'm so tired of my past. God, give me a new future. I'm telling you, he will do it. But there's one condition. When I was a kid, I loved Star Trek. I mean, the real one. The original William Shatner. Leonard Nimoy, beam me up, Scotty. I love that phrase. I love, I love that transporter that broke down all the molecular structure of the person. <laughs> Moved you to a different place, a different planet. You traveled through space because it would break you down into light and then move you where you could not go in your present condition. See, a lot of us think that we can actually move into the new the way we are, but you can't. You see, God cannot move you into your new future. He cannot move you into your new life. He cannot move you into your new dreams. He cannot move you into your new until you are new too. Because the new that God has for you, you can only step into when you're willing to let God make you a new you. Have you ever tried to change? You know, this is it. I'm never going to be that way again. You ever done that? That resolution. I'm never going to. I'm never going to. I'm never going to lose my temper again. Never going to be unfaithful again. Never going to be late for work again. Never going to be late for church again. Lasts about six days. You ever try to change, but you just keep being the same you? You ever date someone and it goes bad? And then you're not going to do that again, right? So you date someone else and it goes bad. And then you date someone else and it goes bad, the same bad. And you think to yourself, how is it possible I keep dating the wrong person? The question should be, how is it possible they keep dating the wrong person? Because if you keep cycling back to the old, it's because you're trying to create a new life with the old you. Trying to have a new relationship with the old you. You're trying to have a new career with the old Jew. You're trying to have a new dream with the old Jew. And Jesus says you cannot put new wine into an old wineskin because when that new wine grows, it explodes and destroys the wineskin. And some of you are trying to put new wine into an old wineskin, but Jesus makes everything new. And so if you're going to want the new, then get ready to become the new.
I believe, I'm convinced that the new is a dimensional difference of existence. That we delude ourselves by thinking we're stepping into the new just because we're stepping into tomorrow. But some of you are trapped in time. Tomorrow is just going to be yesterday again. Tomorrow is going to be your past relived one more time. And some of you feel it. You're suffocating inside. You're desperate to be free from your past and be free into your future. Some of you are desperate to leave the old and become the new. And I want you to know something. There are many of you here right now, many of you listening across the world, that in this moment, you're going to step into an entirely different dimension of existence. You're going to step into the new. And here's the beautiful thing. You cannot step into the new with the old you. But once you become the new you, you can no longer go back to the old. In the same way it's impossible to enter the new without a new you, it will be impossible for you to go back to the old with the new you in you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply to your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor and bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.